Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. The following podcast contains strong language, like what the actual fuck. Hey, what the actual fuckers, it's Pav here. Now, I just want to tell you before the podcast starts about a brand new book. It's called The Journey Inside the Bizarre Mind of Michael Christian Sleggs. Now, Tara, his sister, has compiled a selection of Michael's Photoshop artwork. The 196-page book features over 180 images made by the man, the legend, our very own Slugs. And they're donating £2 from the sale of each book to Michael's charity, the Great Ormond Street Hospital. Now, if you go to getitprinted.com forward slash slugs, that's getitprinted.com forward slash slugs to get your copy. That's getitprinted.com forward slash slugs. Go get it now. All right. I'm Big Mandy. You're listening to What the Actual Fuck? What the Actual Fuck? Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft Cow? This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF, this country podcast. Now, first, he's a man who has just come back from a nice long walk in the woods, and he took a dump in a tent. That's right, he <laughs> took a dump in a tent. It's Neil. At least I did it in a tent this time. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> but did you wipe? Well, that'd be saying. <laughs> With a dock leaf. <laughs> Proper Gloucestershire way. Proper Gloucestershire way. <laughs> now, our superfan guest is a broadcasting and radio legend, being a DJ on Radio 1, XFM, NME Radio. She also presented the iconic music chart show Top of the Pops. You can now hear her on Absolute Radio. It's the one and only Claire Sturgis. Oh, thank you for that amazing intro. <laughs> well, you I know. I that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be asking you to relive some of it because we want to know all about that of course kind we do of, we really do kind of i tell you what before we start though i think what you need is one of my finest um in a style of sky cinema warnings um for this part would you like a warning for that sounds podcast? great okay. yes okay you ready okay 
The following podcast contains strong language, like what the actual fuck. My God. <laughs> that was really go. good. We shall play that. We'll play that at the start of every episode of the podcast from now on, if yeah. that's all right. And it's so nice. I get to swear. <laughs> you do. I'm not allowed to swear normally. No. Of course They must not. be very strict on that, though. Do you have yeah. A... <laughs> yeah. 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 Unfortunately. Have, have, so you ever let, have you ever let a little expletive no, slip? Oh, I, hang on. I need some wood to touch. Hold on. I think that's wood. No, I've never. No. No, no. I haven't accidentally let and dropped an f-bomb no or a p-word yeah well that would be the worst wouldn't it there's that a quiz would... time yeah <laughs> when you, when, no, you when you finally decide to retire just let it all go let it yeah. all go i mean yeah but, but, but what is clear and the next movie stars eddie murphy he's a right wanker yeah. he's not gonna say that is she? <laughs> it could be funny Especially with somebody you don't like. But it's really weird. I didn't realise you were the person that that said that. You're the one that says that on Sky. So if you watch Sky On Demand, like um, my favourite warnings were always the warnings for Game of Thrones because literally I'd have a long list. The following programme contains strong language, nudity, scenes that some viewers might find offensive and all the other shit. You know, yeah. basically it's going to be an, an epic one this week, yeah. basically is what you want to say. But it's yeah. weird. As soon as you said that, I, I recognise that yeah. voice. <laughs> I recognise that voice. That is crazy. That is really good. That is crazy. Uh, anyway. I'm sure we'll talk more about that uh, as we go on. We will, we will. With every superfan guest, we always find out how you found out about this country. Well, I was quite early, actually. Um, I remember I had the TV on late one night. I think I'd been at work, so I was back home about 11 o'clock, 11.30, and the TV was just on in the background, and I was aware of this programme starting. Wasn't really paying attention but then suddenly you hear the accents because I'm from the West Country. So instantly I'm like, hang on a sec. Mm. Um, and I pretty much saw straight away that it wasn't an actual documentary. It was a mockumentary. And I find it very similar um, in style to The Office. So I instantly it, my ears pricked up. And um, so I, 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 I happened upon it. And I think it was on BBC One because I didn't the first season it was repeated on BBC One a couple of nights after yeah, that's aired right. on BBC Three. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was yeah. a Saturday night, wasn't it? it was after, after Match, of the, match of the Day, yeah. That so it would have been after I got home from work. Mm. That's exactly that would have been right. Um no one I knew at the time was watching it, but as soon as I started mentioning it to people, I think other people, friends and I sort of discovered it the same way, but I hadn't seen any press or anything about it. So it was one of those delicious moments where you think I've just discovered something incredible. Um, and it was really weird because a couple of weeks, two or three weeks after that, I was working um, at BBC Worldwide. And I used to go and do continuity for some of their BBC channels around, around the world. And um, and uh, Daisy and, um, well, basically it, it was Curtin and Kerry, as, as I knew them, were, were, were there. Um, I think maybe doing some press or something for, you know, BBC Worldwide. And I went into super fan mode, but couldn't speak to them because, you know, they were suddenly like, oh, my God, they're right in front of me (laughs) and I can't talk to them. And everyone was treating them like normal because I think at at that time they weren't particularly recognisable. So I could have, I think, quite rightly gone up to them and I'm sure they would have been lovely. But I had a little super fan moment and I regret now not saying hello. But anyway. They, oh. they would yeah, have been, so they, I think I was quite early. Basically. Yeah, they would have been. They would have been fine for that. I think they probably wouldn't have known what to do if somebody came up that early and sort of said. I think yes. Yeah, you know. we all would have been a little bit awkward. Yes. <laughs> so, what what took, what made you get your hooks into the show? Was it primarily because it was from the West Country? 
I think that was that, that was the main thing. It really struck a chord. And I mean, I oh, I. I say I hate to say it, but it, it really I recognized a lot of things and I recognized a lot of people and I recognized a lot of feelings and I recognized the countryside. I'm from sort of Wiltshire. Right. And so I, I just, you know, it looked all looked very familiar, very familiar in, in a very nostalgic, happy way. Mm. Um, so, yeah. But also, you know, sticking with it, you I was just blown. I mean, the writing was just incredible. The acting was incredible. I mean, where did they come from? That was nothing. You're like, who are these people? How did they get this? How did this get onto the BBC? It's brilliant. Mm. Someone somewhere saw what we are seeing now and gave them a chance. So yeah, yeah. So, but I think primarily it was the accents, and it. I, I recognised my childhood, my mm. my teenage years. Yeah. So was that was that how you carried on watching the first series then, like every Saturday, or did you then go to iPlayer and then I then I went onto iPlayer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, what's your favourite episode of of series one? Oh, I, <laughs> I think because my favourite, I think the one where she gets a tattoo. I think Mandy's tattoo <laughs> thing was very funny. Um, but then, from the episode one, the, the Scarecrow Festival again. I've been to so many of those sort of fates, school fates, festivals, local local little parties um you know where you're sitting on hay bales and you know someone goes off on one so yeah but i mean it's like asking being asked to pick your, your favorite child they're all they're all amazing yeah um i'm trying to think what else no, i think because big mandy mandy is my favorite character right um just because we all know a mandy mm. do you know a mandy we all know a Mandy. well we know we know the mandy that it was based well, yeah, on yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we were introduced. Um, well, I was introduced to her a couple of no, about a year ago. Yeah, and as soon as you saw her, you thought, "Well, that's that's Mandy." You can see everything about her that that was in the, the show. Yeah, it's quite uh, surreal when you come across. Did you, did you find yourself having to be really nice to her? Because don't, don't annoy her. Don't oh, cr- yeah, yeah, because she sweet. she'd beat the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I um. I, I I think it was like I I acted like I was meeting the Queen. I was hello, how are you? He didn't, nice to didn't meet. turn his back on her or anything. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she's lovely. Don't get me wrong, she's lovely. But I yeah, you just feel like say the wrong yeah, thing. Yeah, uh, well, uh, the Mandy I knew wasn't lovely. She was like real, you know, Mandy. Oh, right. and you Just you're nice to her and you humour her. You agree with her. You do things that you would never normally do for her. You get a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the actual fuck? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, what were your thoughts on series two when that landed then? Just more of the same. It's fantastic. I mean, I mean, I, I think trying to think, um, the season two opening, cause I watched it a couple of, um, remind me what happens in season two. So uh, season the, the opening episode is the random acts of kindness, isn't it? Yeah. Season right, two. Exactly. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's when I really fell in love with Carrie, just because you can see she's, desperately well they both are desperate they want to do the right thing but they're so they get it wrong so much but yeah the the random acts of kindness I think she genuinely wanted to make people feel good and when she didn't get anything back from slugs it just sort of all tumbled down and went horribly wrong but yeah that's again another highlight Mm. thicker Oh, the vicar. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So basically, season two was great. More of the same. Yeah. Um, It's one of those things where 
is season three going to be the last season? Uh, uh, they they have said it's the it's the final season. Yeah. Yeah, no, that ter- that that saddens me. So I'm I'm almost you know that that thing where you think oh no I'm, I I'm just, I want to watch it so bad but I don't because I want to savor it I want to save it for a special I'll dive straight in. That's mm. fine, but, um, but they they have said that when the money runs out in four or five years they will do a film or like a Christmas special or something. <laughs> well, they've so. never ruled it out, have they? They've the specials out, or yeah. a film? They never. No, exactly. They, Exactly, yeah. and, and and who knows what's happening in the future? They'll become big stars, and who knows if they come back? I I got a feeling that they they will do something like a movie or something. I don't, yeah, I just yeah. think that. I mean, you know, you've got the insight. You know, you, you you're insiders. You you have the uh, you have some of the answers. Well, so that's no, good to I, know I, that. I wish we did. I really yeah. wish we did. But to be and fair, even if you did, then you'd have to kill us. Or <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I mean, I don't think Daisy or Charlie really know yet, do they? After speaking. <laughs> Them, they really don't know what what lies ahead after this series is. Did they? So I've gone into interview mode. That's did okay. they? Did they ever expect it to to take off as it did? Oh no! What, what, what do you think they were no. wanting after season one when it started airing? What did you think they wanted? What what were they expecting? Well, I think with the fact that it was originally supposed to be on ITV. Um, the very oh, first, God, I didn't know that. yeah, the very first incarnation was a thing called Kerry that was set in Sirencester, which is where we live. Um, and they, they did a pilot, which they've told us that no one will ever see because it is absolute shite and it's it's something that no no eyes will ever get to see. We've said, you must put it on the DVD as an extra. No, yeah. no one will ever see it, they've said. Okay, um, fair enough. But that ended up being a blessing in disguise and the BBC picked it up. So I think in the end, all they wanted to do was make a show. Mm. Yeah. I don't think they ever thought it was going to become the thing. And we've said this a million times that we live and breathe this country because we do the podcast so we yeah. think we think that everybody in the country knows about this country which isn't true not everybody in Sirencester knows about no. this country so it's 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 weird that it is still a cult thing even with the BAFTAs and and Daisy going off doing big films and stuff like that I still yeah. think there are loads more people that can learn about the show um that's interesting because I I assume that everyone loves it mm. like we love it but then maybe it's because I mean I know a lot of people who aren't from the West Country, or, or, or um, um, who also love it, but yeah, but in a way that makes it quite special. It does. I love it, and I think it gives it more longevity as well. I think it will just continue, uh, and I think people will discover it at their own pace. It, I think it will, it will just continue to be loved, mm. and will never grow old. Exactly, um, it's like one of those sitcoms that we'll always find a new audience, won't it? Because it's, it's, well, it's exactly, almost yeah. timeless, it's isn't joy it? Joy of discovering it. Mm. Yeah, mm. definitely. So, what, what's your views on the proposed? US remake. What? Yes. No, no, there is. Paul Feig is the the guy that's we, behind oh, okay. it. Okay. Well, um, and it's been yeah. ordered for a pilot, so they're doing a pilot. And um, where would where would it be set? Which part of America? They would haven't. They, they haven't said. They said. really haven't no. said. They haven't said who's in it or anything yet. They're just the, North the Carolina, somewhere like North Carolina or yeah, or yeah. Raleigh, North yeah. West yeah. Virginia. Yeah, but they, they did say the name, the names of the characters, didn't they? But I can't they remember. Did, uh, yeah, they did. It's mention not Kerry it. and Curtin, but it's uh, they've got the names of the characters. But I mean. Paul Feig, as I've said before, I think directed some of the best um, episodes of the US Office, and I love the US Office. So mm. the know. US Office is just genius, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I didn't, I really didn't think, you know, after our office that anyone could touch it, but no. you know that they, they took it, ran with it, and made it. I mean, not better, 
totally different. Just completely incredible. Agree. I yeah. mean, controversially, I actually prefer it. What, the US office? Yeah, I actually, do. I, 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 I do, I think. I, I like it a lot, but for different reasons. I, mm. I think it sort of it, it took what um, Ricky and Steve did, and it was very similar for the first season, wasn't it? But mm. then I think they just turned it into a, a completely different reason. Yeah, I yeah, I love it. Well, you, you so got, much more of it exactly, and you got to you got to know the characters a lot more. And you, you, yeah, Michael Scott is a completely different character to David Brent. Yeah. He, he loves the people that he works with, yeah. whereas David Brent is just a shit to the people. He doesn't really yeah. care it about was them. Just does he? Self obsessed. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're talking yeah. of um, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. Now you've um, <laughs> you've worked with them at XFM, yeah. didn't you? <clears throat> no, I read. We, yeah. I, I think on your on your Wikipedia, but you took over from Carl Pilkington if he wasn't in or if he was ill or yeah like that, well, right? go, going further back so we um we launched xfm the official when we had the proper fm frequency 104.9 back in night september 1997 so we launched that then i was doing the afternoon show ricky i mean i think it's been well documented was was hired by our program controller to be head head of speech yeah <laughs> um and he famously hired Stephen Merchant because he didn't really know what he was doing and he just wanted an assistant and Stephen's CV was top of the pile. I mean, you know, that that pretty much is how it happened. And um, so we worked together and we're very happily um, sort of coexisting in Charlotte Street in um, in London doing XFM for a good sort of 10 or 11 months. Um, and Ricky, as head of speech, would just... Well, I'm not quite sure what he did, but he'd pop up on our shows and just, you know, embarrass us. But even then, and it's it's so easy to say, oh, he was very funny. We we knew he was going to go on to great things, but we didn't. I mean, he was very funny, but he was a lazy son of a bitch, you know, and just <laughs> whatever he could get away with not doing, he would. Um, so and, was he was he making The Office at the time or were they writing so, it? or so were when, they In the summer of 98, <clears throat> excuse me, we... Um, we were sold and, and bought by the Capital Radio Group, and they came in and, and just pretty much fired everyone. Um, although not straight away, we had a couple of months where we knew we were being sold. We had this sort of um, the old management had gone. Ricky took over the program controller's desk, and for a couple of months, we just ran riot, and it was the best two months ever. But I think that's when he and Steve started writing what would go on to be The Office. Um, then he basically, he didn't get fired. He was, you know, he, his services weren't needed. And so he, he left, as did a lot of other people. A few of us stayed on and continued under Capital. Um, and then he and Steve went off and, and, and you know, just did a thing, yeah. you know, just did, <laughs> yeah. you know, won loads of awards and things. So, yeah, so they went off and did The Office um, by him being on the 11 o'clock show and the mm. Ridge of A show. Um, and then when XFM sort of settled down under um, under Capital, a couple of years later, after the first season of The Office, I think, um, our boss then approached him saying, would you come back and do the occasional Saturday show? And that's when he was he and Steve were introduced to Carl, because Carl worked for XFM and was our promo producer. Mm. And um, and so Carl go in just to produce them to make sure they knew what they were doing, of course, got sucked in. And when Carl wanted a holiday... Um, they sort of said, well, we'll get Sturgis in then, you know, there's no one else who knows what we're like, we'll just get Sturgis. So I just would sit in instead of Carl. But they didn't like me doing it as much as Carl because I would just sit there and want to be entertained and make me laugh. And they said, well, Carl, you know, Carl, we laugh at Carl. Yeah. I said, well, you're not laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> was he, I so, mean, uh, people must ask you this all the time, but was Izzy 
like he is on his show? Is he genuinely like that? Did you mean Carl? Carl. Oh, Carl. Yeah. Um, Carl, when working with Carl before this, Carl is an exceptionally intelligent, funny, self-deprecating, dour northern bloke um hugely intelligent though and and not as he is but i mean he's he's playing a part um but he he does he he asks he likes to ask stupid questions because he i think he likes hearing what people have to say mm-hmm. um and no he's a very kind genuine funny grumpy man <laughs> and what is it like to work with Ricky and Steve. I mean, I know, like, like you weren't obviously the person that that they yeah, could laugh well, it, at, but it was it was hilarious. Uh, but it was just it was like going back to what it was like back in 1997. They would just sit there and just you know make us all laugh. Um, I mean, Ricky is very naughty. He's very naughty, but also he's he's very intelligent. You know, he did a um, a philosophy degree, mm. so he's you know he knows he knows what questions to ask. He knows how to you know to really you know poke you mm. and. Um, but he's also a very, very kind man. You know, I, I, I went through a, you know, a, a, a bit of a bad time, and him and his partner Jane were amazing to me, and you know, picked me up and took me out. And he's, he's a fantastic, fantastic person. Mm, he gets a bad rap sometimes, but then you know, it's, it's all an act. Yeah. Mm. He doesn't need me to fight his battles. No. no. <laughs> but I, he's, he's, a, he's, he's one of life's good guys. Yeah, I've listened to Definitely. a lot of the. Um, they brought out a lot of the old XFM. Stuff on audio books yes. and that, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, but yes. there's there's loads of swearing in that. In that, did they let the swearing go out on on air? Um, I think I think I'm trying to think. Yeah, they did, didn't they? I don't. I'm wondering if that was some of the. It might have been some things they did that didn't actually go out live. Right. They would have gone out later and they edited them for on air. But yeah, because obviously they couldn't have. They no. couldn't have sworn on there. Lots You're not allowed eff- to fucking swear on there, guys. <laughs> Lots of effing and Jeff in there, was. Can you not? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you not swear, like, past the watershed on radio? Because I know Radio 4 got in a bit of hoo-ha last year, didn't they? Because on their afternoon play, some expletives were in it and they let it ride. But, like, when you get past a certain time... I think, I think past... I think it's, <clears throat> is it the 9 o'clock or 9.30 watershed? I think... I think, and I'm not sure, I'm not going to test it. Um, <laughs> I think if if there's a song that has maybe, you know, a little bit of Ethan and Jeff in mm. um, but I, I still don't think after 9.30 I'd, I'd be allowed to F and Jeff my way through my show. <laughs> no, absolutely. I would, yeah. We're, we're so on, I think, yeah. Yeah, we're on BBC Radio Gloucestershire tomorrow. Let's try it out, shall we? <laughs> after <laughs> 9 o'clock. Yeah, after don't. 9 o'clock. Don't. No. We'll, say, we'll say that Claire Sturgis said it was okay <laughs> for <laughs> us to... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. fine. Well, yeah. Claire, leave... a smile on your face. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, I'll just edit what she just said and took the knot out and just have the, <laughs> she said, it's fine. It's fine to swear on the radio. Claire, I must ask, how did you get into radio then? What, what started I, your career? I um, I did that thing. You can't really do it anymore. I When I was growing up on, on Salisbury Plain, um, I did my A-levels and decided I just wanted to go and live in London. So I literally wrote a letter to the BBC saying, Dear BBC, can I come and work for you, please? And bless them, they they replied immediately saying, come for an interview. So I jumped on the train. And this was a long time ago. I'm very old. <laughs> and um, and they gave me a job in, as a filing clerk for BBC Enterprises, which was their commercial arm, which sells things around the world, um, TV shows around the world. 
So I, I literally stayed on someone's sofa in Walthamstow for a couple of weeks and um, and started this job. And then when you back in the day, when you'd worked for the BBC for a year, you were then allowed to apply for any job within the BBC. So a job came up at Radio One as a production assistant. And again, I couldn't type. Um, I had no production skills at all. All I had was a love of music. That's all I had. And I, I managed to get an interview and um, and it was for Simon Bates's production assistants. So they said, well, who's your favourite DJ? I said, well, clearly John Peel. <laughs> there is no other. Um, and I'm incredibly, I got the job. So I got a job as a production assistant and to his credit, Simon Bates and his producer, Fergus Dudley, and also Kent and Allen, who go on to be incredible and very um, successful in TV, um, just let me do loads of stuff from interviewing my favourite stars to interviewing The Cure and Nirvana and getting them played on the show. And then when Tommy Vance um, decided he wanted to go to Virgin Radio, they asked me to do The Rock Show. It, but that doesn't happen anymore. No. And I don't know, you know, but just because I was given so many opportunities to be on air, to talk about music and to enthuse about things I loved, um, I think they just heard someone, they just heard some passion. They didn't hear a professional DJ they didn't hear a professional production assistant because I was none of those things. I was just passionate about what I loved. So I think I was in the right place at the right time. Um, and I was probably very cheap. <laughs> so They didn't have to pay me much money. Okay, so take your, take your mind back to the, the moment, say 30 seconds before your very first rock show when you're doing it on your own. Are you shitting yourself? Or are, yeah. were you very prepared and you knew what you were going to do as soon as that red light came on? It's funny because um, my first ever show, funnily enough, wasn't the rock show. I was um, I was given a week to uh, sit in for Mark Goodyear on the evening session. And it was me and Steve Lamack and Joe Wiley and Richard Easter. We had four four of us had a week each because he was going on to do the breakfast show for a month. Um, so my very first show on Radio One was the evening session, and John Peel bought me in a glass of red wine, Aww. and I. I voice I pre-recorded my first two links. So the first two links weren't live just to ease me into it. Um but the first song I spoke into was um Nirvana, their version version, I think, of Oh the Guilt. Was it the Jesus Lizard um original song? And even hearing that song there, plus Therapy Scream Agent, my first two songs, whenever I hear those two songs, it's literally like my my innards are just loosening up and that, you know, I'm not saying I shat myself, but you know, it's, you just sort of feel it's going to come out two ways, either mm. vomit or yeah. Um, but even now when I hear uh, Nirvana or the Jesus lizard or, or, or scream major by therapy, I can feel that movement. You, you sort of, you, you, your, your throat goes into spasm right. and you can't talk. Um, but I think I managed to say something. And once you jump over that hurdle, then you're okay. So how did you get your training, like, to for it? Well, I did, but that's the thing. I didn't. You see, all I, I just, I just worked with people like Simon Bates and mm. Steve Wright and John Peel, and and just saw how they did it. Um, it was a case of opening the mic and just talking about the music you love. Yeah. Um, I mean, it came later when I was told how to. Um, because now, because you have to format your links, you know, you have to, you know, you come out of a, a song, you have to um, talk about something, then you have to go into, so you have to throw throw forward to what's coming up next and time check and and but none of that. Um, I had to learn that on the job. Mm. I don't think it would happen now. No, but 
I'd like to think it would, that someone just with passion would get a chance. But yeah, that's why podcasts exist now. Yeah. If you have a passion, you love what you do. Um, and I'll only listen to podcasts now, really. Mm. Well, the thing is, that Radio 1, I've, I've gone into a bit of a... I've started listening to a podcast called The Chart Show Podcast, I think it is, which goes back to the old Top of the Pops, and they talk about Radio 1. And I don't think, I don't think the youngsters of the podcast generation realise quite how big... Radio One, it was in the sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties. They, they, it was the place. The DJs were household names. Well, they weren't just DJs. There was a lot of them were TV stars as well, weren't they? They were. So, it, yeah, was it easy to walk right. into that kind of? Um, I mean, obviously, you must have thought, "Oh my God, here I am at Radio One." I know, I know, because like you say, it, it was the only place I went to to find out about music or the charts or new music. I mean, I loved uh, um, Janice Long and Kid Jensen mm. and John Peel. So they were doing, in, and Mark Goodyear, um, they were doing the evening shows that the new music that I loved. Um, but my era, I mean, I used to listen to Gary Davis. He always did the chart on a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, was it Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, the Sunday night charts as well. So... That's where I found out what the number one song was or the new music where I discovered, yeah, anything I loved. I it, Because I heard it on Radio 1, there was nowhere else for me to hear music anywhere. No. And then you, you'd make a note or you'd record it and then you'd go down to your record shop and buy the vinyl. Simple yeah. as. So it was the only place that, that we would find out about music. Now, of course, it, it's anywhere other than radio you find out about music because radio is very, very curated um, Absolute is, is very, I mean, every song we play, we're, we're almost we're pretty much a greatest hit station with occasional new music, but every song is tested to within an inch of its life. And if the audience, if it only gets, you know, a little bit of, of recognition, you know, it won't get played. It has to be very, very recognisable. So, mm. Do you think yeah. it's, it's harder to discover new music these days? Because even things like the streaming services and Apple yeah. and things like that, they, they recommend stuff to you, so you're not actually searching for stuff anymore. It's the, it's all on but playlists. But I think you're right. I, I think that is the issue. It's, 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 I, I think you're probably the same. It's, it's searching, looking for it. You know, you used to know where to go. I mean, I suppose you... I think if you put effort into it, you you would get to know that the streaming services you trust, Amazing Radio, are great for for promoting new bands. Um, I don't know if Res is Resonance still. I think Resonance is also still going. So, you know, if you know where to go, um, but no, it's difficult. And the mm. magazines aren't there either. No. Enemy, I mean, Enemy's gone. Melody Maker Sounds. Um, you know, we still have Q Magazine. Yeah. I mean, but then again, Q is you know has an element of new music. Um, but then again, it's it's difficult to find. Yeah, even I mean, for a while it was MySpace, wasn't it? But yeah, even that's yeah. like gone now. Yeah. But yeah, so I think it's very different. It's just and like I, it's, I, think, I was going to say, it's just like flipping flipping through LPs in a record shop and buying an album because you like the cover. Yeah, was one thing that you know because that that looks. <laughs> and whereas now there, there aren't covers now. You don't get to see those amazing bits of artwork or gatefold sleeves or. Oh God, God we sang so what? old. I did do that. Some, I did sometimes buy albums yeah. because I like the cover. Yeah, fact, absolutely. Love it. They were works of art. A lot of them. Yeah. You know, it'd be amazing. They they would be a trip. Just you'd open up a gatefold sleeve, and all the lyrics would be in the middle, and you think, mm. Oh my gatefold God, it's amazing. Sleeve. Oh, 
You knew you were onto something. So if it was a gatefold sleeve, you knew it was a special thing. Exactly. But do you remember the disappointment of when you heard a song, really liked the song or the single, bought the album on the back of it, and the album was absolutely pants? (laughs) The disappointment was always huge, wasn't it? But that's that's sort of the risk you took. Exactly, exactly. that was part of it, yeah, absolutely. But the joys of spending hours in that record shop Mm. is gone now, and I I miss it. I really miss it. Do you have any record shops near to you? Do you... You know, we have things that stuff? sell a bit of vinyl rather than being a vinyl shop, which I, I don't know where the nearest... Probably Bristol would be the nearest to us. Probably. I mean, things like the local Tesco sell sell vinyl, mm. but it's all obviously redone and remade and then selling for, like, 20 quid, which... Um... I know. We, we've got one just down the road in, in Camden. You know, he opened up recently, and, and it's... I mean, I don't know how he, how he does it, how he keeps afloat. I think maybe he does a lot online... But the joy of just going in—it's a proper vinyl show. It's proper vinyl, yeah. And he, he buys in a lot of old stuff as well as new. You can just go and just literally flick through for hours, yeah, yeah. and also get a cup of coffee as well. It's fantastic. But I will say, but we're all—it's all middle-aged people. It is. There's no young people. It's weird because people. last Christmas my wife bought me a, a a little record player and and about four or five different albums and a couple of singles. I think she found some of my like favorite ever singles. So I oh, put I put that. one of the singles on, and then you hear the. And I think, oh, this is great. And I sat down and listened to the single. The single finished, and I thought, fucking hell, i got to get up and turn the fuck over get up now. You lazy So I, I just grabbed the controls and stuck MTV on, <laughs> on the telly. You have, it's, you, it, it, it involves effort. It does. Effort Absolutely it does. And I love that. Yeah. In fact, we're just, we're just doing up our hat, and we will be. And um, we've already decided, we, 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 like you, we've got a little a little record player but we've also got our technics as well so we're going to set them up again in the new when we get our new place and um have just you know our rows of vinyl and actively encourage people when you come in right stick a piece of vinyl on you know you're in charge because i think it really is it makes people make an effort Mm. and really choose what they want to hear and i don't think there's any sound that's that, that that equates to hearing it on vinyl I know. You know, because everything on a CD, yeah, a CD or an MP3, it's compressed and it's it's squashed mm. in, and whereas on vinyl, mm. it just sounds so open and yeah. and vast and just yeah, it's just beautiful. But like you said, reading that gatefold sleeve while mm. listening to the albums, I'm doing it again with all my old vinyl now. Yeah. And my son comes in and goes, "What are you doing? Just <laughs> reading them?" And I'm like, "You well, no, because never... you, ate, you want to know the lyrics. You want to know mm. who produced it. You want to know where it was uh, recorded. You want to know, you know." Uh, who published it you know, all all that's on there and, and yeah. you, you become you become an expert in every aspect of that piece of music indeed. you know absolutely indeed publishers included now another thing obviously that, that it's going to make us all sound like old farts and stuff but fine, fine, but the only tv show uh, back in the day that you used to be able to watch music was top of the pops yeah um yeah, they, you definitely. you hosted it yeah, and how yeah. how was that? I mean, like... hilarious. I I only hosted. Oh, <laughs> I only hosted it because. Um, so I was doing the rock show on Radio One again, it, ridiculous. Um, and uh, my friend Rick, who produced uh, the breakfast show, the Simon May breakfast show, left Radio One to go and produce Top of the Pops. Um, and he, he he carried on. He he got several different sort of presenters in, but he would occasionally get Simon Mayo on to present it, and he'd, he'd get Mark Goodyear, and he'd phone me saying, w- "Would you like to come and do Top of the Pops?" And I was like, "I got opposite." <laughs> he went, "No." He, he said, "You're a, you're a Radio One DJ. Come and do Top of the Pops." So I did do it twice. Um, I did it when um, Blur did Park Life with Phil Daniels, and um, who was number one? I think um, 
Oh, I can't remember who was number one. But I also did it when, um, oh, God, I just, oh, I just cringe every time I think about it. It was, I had the time of my life. It was the best thing ever, but it's fucking hideous. Right. And it's, it's, it's awful. However, oh. <laughs> so, oh. so Shane McGowan and the Popes, not the Popes, so it's Shane McGowan and the Popes featuring Johnny Depp. Right. They performed on the Top of the Pops that I presented. Um, it took me about seven goes to say Shane McGowan and the Popes because I kept saying the Pogues. Oh, right. Mm. And they'd have to reset the whole cameras and the band would have to go back to their starting positions about six or seven times. Oh, no. With Johnny Depp. <laughs> with Johnny Depp on. But because it was such a big deal that Johnny Johnny Depp <laughs> was on top of the pop. So they had a big uh, press call um, in, in the garden outside the studios up in, I think it was in Boreham Wood where they used to film. It wasn't a te television, television centre that time. So they had a huge press call and Shane McGowan and Johnny Depp were, were posing on, on the grass and, and the producer, I don't know why he did this, he went, Claire, Claire, you, you must go and have a picture as well. I was like, they don't want me. But I did, I went and stood, so it was me and Johnny Depp and Shane McGowan and there was a whole row of photographers all click, click, clicking. And um, at one point I heard, can we lose the girl? <laughs> <laughs> I had to, to sidestep away mortified but then i wasn't surprised but the, the the horrific and cruel thing is the photograph they used in the press the next day and it made it made a lot of the, the newspapers um was johnny depp and shane mcgowan and a bit of my arm so they had <laughs> used one of my photos but just cropped me off it oh that's terrible do you have a copy of the picture with you fully intact no but a friend of mine did find it online once um, I wonder if where's my phone? I'm going to try and find it. <laughs> and I think it is online somewhere. Um, yeah, but even looking at it made me feel slightly nauseous. Mm. It was yeah, but it was it was an amazing, an amazing time. I still can't believe I did it, and oh, it makes me go slightly, slightly cold when I think about it. Oh. So you you've met incredible artists and musicians and celebrities throughout your career who's been the highlight um i have i have been lucky one of the most exciting ones was when i was a production assistant on radio one so i, w I was simon bates's production assistant on the morning show um and this is how old i am um so it was around about the um release of silence of the lambs and uh, anthony hopkins came in to be interviewed and I'd just seen the film. So obviously I knew that he was you know, a pretty unpleasant character. Mm. Um, and I hadn't really seen him in anything else. So as far as I'm concerned, he was Hannibal Lecter. And uh, I had to um, keep him occupied for 10 to 15 minutes, you know, as they were getting ready in the studio. And he sat down at a, at a, at a piano and just played the piano and, and sung to me very gently. And, and I remember thinking, oh, Hannibal Lecter <laughs> is playing piano and you know, I wonder if he's going to then murder me and eat me. <laughs> so that that was special. Um, Slash, I went for a curry with Slash once, which was fun. Oh, wow. Um, what did he, he have? He came in, he came, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> he came in to the Radio 1 rock show, sort of 92, 93. Um, so he wasn't, he wasn't doing stuff with Guns N' Roses. He was doing a, a Slash's Snake Pit oh, album. Yeah, yeah. 
and he came in. We did the show live. We drank Jack Daniels. How how oh, we got away with that I don't know. Did he manage not to f and Jeff? There was no f and Jeff in. Mm. He was very well behaved, um, if slightly pissed. <laughs> and then we went for a curry around the corner to an amazing curry house called the um, um, the Gay Hussar, I think it's called. Um, no, the Gaylord. It's called the Gaylord. Oh, the Gaylord. <laughs> nice. He couldn't wait. He was just like, are you serious? I went, yes. And it's a very good curry house. And, uh, and we went and had curry. And it was amazing. I think he had something very mild. I seem to remember, like a chicken korma. Right. Very that so, yeah. That's not very rock so, yeah. and roll, is it? <laughs> I thought he might have had a fowl or something like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe he did. Maybe I'm, I'm doing him a disservice. But um, yeah, that was fun. So is there anybody left that you would like to meet? Who Who's on the hit list that you'd still like I, to interview? I've never, I never got to meet David Bowie, which breaks my heart. But then I, in a way, I'm quite pleased because I, I just wouldn't have known what to do mm. with David Bowie. Um, back in the early 90s, when Nirvana played at um, Reading, um, I tried to interview Dave Grohl backstage, but he kept running, he literally ran away from me in my microphone. <laughs> and I've never, I've never been in a situation where I've been able to interview him since. We tried to, we were doing a, documentary on absolute a couple of years ago about drummers we called it 12 drummers drumming it was for christmas and um we tried to get him and he was in town we just couldn't make it work um so i've never interviewed dave and i would love to interview dave mm. Grohl. he's one of my heroes mm. um so did you get but, to meet um, kurt cobain then didn't get me no absolutely not to well actually no i did we went to an after show once um and i think i shook his hand and said great gig but that's not properly meeting somebody. No. So that's, but that was after the Kilburn National, um, again in the early 90s. Um, and, uh, yeah, and we, we were in a little wine bar just down the road from the Kilburn National, and uh, there was an after-show party, and he came in, and we all sort of went, yeah, great gig man, shook his hand, and then went, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But no, so didn't really properly meet him either. But then I don't think I would have wanted to interview him. I think he would have been a tricky interview on the mm, radio. Absolutely. Um, he, you know, he was a tortured soul. Um, I think I think he did. I can't remember ever hearing him talk to John Peel, but I'm sure they must have. They must have come in. I know they did a session for John Peel, so they must have had an interview as well. But um, yeah. So yeah, Dave Grohl would be nice. Dave, if you're listening. I'm yeah. sure he is. Get on, it, he <laughs> Get on it, Mr. Grohl. Get on it, Dave. Country, definitely. I think but, so. Um, right, yeah. before we uh, go any further now, we're going to have a little bit of a quiz. Uh, we're going to play Kerry or Curtain. I'm going right, okay. to give you a line of dialogue. You need to tell me whether it was Kerry yeah. or Curtain. Here we go. Okay. Number one. You're going to fight then, are you? Curtain. That was Kerry in, oh, in yeah. Peeping okay. Tom. That was oh, to her, Tom, yes, okay, that yeah. was to her dad and uh, and to Curtin. Number two, I'm evaluating the situation before I make my move. It sounds like something that Kurt Curtin would say. Well, is that your answer though? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Well done. Yay. It was number three. It wasn't a magnet. It was a bookmark with all the queens on it. Well done. What was that one from? I'm Two trying... out of three. Yeah. That, that was um, when that was his school trip. Oh, I know. Yeah. When uh, his best mate was um, 
shacking up with his girlfriend on yeah. the back seat of the, the I can't remember what episode that is. No, but anyway. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So that's two out of three. Number four. Bloody Alan, fucking little snake. Kerry. Well done. That was when Alan threw some at uh, Martin's caravan and was running <laughs> away. And uh, number five. You absolute traitor. That's my cheese. I think it's Kerry again. Well done. Four yeah. out of five. Very respectable. Because that, that was when I watched not not too long ago. I'm trying to think what that. Oh, that's when he was. Yeah, and, and I can't remember. That's yeah, the pizza. I think, I think it's space. when um when she. What, no, it was curtains through the the um the glass at the wall, wasn't it? The pizza in the oven. Yeah, it's the okay. oven space. It's where you uh, hear the infamous tomato line. Yeah, no, Kerry... Tomato? Kerry, yeah, yeah. Kerry, Kerry threw the glass at the... Um, That's it. Yeah, because Curtin was going to eat the cheese. Yes. And yeah. he did eat the cheese and the wall, the, the yeah, glass smashed right. on the wall. So that yeah. was oven space. Well done, four out of five. Very that's good. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Right well, up there on the leaderboard. Yeah, indeed. I'm happy with that. Well done. Well, as we record this, series three is but six sleeps away... Oh, um, what? so We're exciting! So, what are you wanting to see in series three? Okay, I I want some sort of resolution with with Martin Mucklow. Something to happen there, but I don't know what. I need Kerry to. Oh, I need him to apologise and try and make an effort for Kerry. That's what I'd like. Hmm. Is that going to happen? No, no, no idea. <laughs> you know, okay. We've, um, to be fair, we've only seen episode one and um, two. two. Yeah, we saw. Do you have. <gasps> yeah, at the preview. We but went we're to the preview. embargo as we speak. Uh, yes. yeah. yeah. What's the date today? To the 11th. So we can talk tomorrow. about it. Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> oh, Claire, we can talk about it tomorrow. You'll have to Claire. ring us tomorrow. <laughs> Fine. You know what? I, we wouldn't want to. We, go, yeah, we wouldn't want to spoil it for you. Yeah, we wouldn't want to spoil it for you. No, because. I would like to see. I'd like to. Kerry to you know get some good family time um as we saw obviously you know she, she's starting to bond now with her, her, her step siblings which would be nice um but some sort of resolution with Martin not that he deserves anything but I would like her to you know um get some semblance of an apology um I just want more of the same I just want them getting into trouble just through sheer not ignorance, just through trying to do the right thing, but getting it so wrong. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they handle or deal with um, slugs. Mm. Um, and I, I have read somewhere that it, it's 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 good, as in you know it's yeah. You're not saying anything. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. we can categorically say they deal with it very well. They deal with it as you. It's as emotional you and funny. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, and plenty more of um, plenty more tomato. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think many people can. No, no, plenty more of that. Um, I don't know more of the same. I, I don't want them to leave. I mean, maybe some might think they're going to leave and you know go off and, and try and see what the big wide world is like. Maybe you know further afield, go to Bristol or something. I don't know. But um, I'd like them to stay where they are and just you know, I don't know. I just don't want it to be over. I just want it to carry on. Well, it, look, the thing is, the, the the episodes will always be there. We can watch they them will, and, yeah. and relive them so many times as we already have. But mm. uh, 
But you know, you know I also what I also love about it is so beautifully shot as well. I mean, it, again, it reminds me so much of the village I grew up in, mm. um, and it, it really sort of it does. It, it's so bittersweet, and I actually find it quite. I mean, do you find it quite sad as well? Absolutely, I mean, I, very much. I mean, it really. Not that I, I sob, but I do find it. It really, really just sort of grabs your heart, doesn't Absolutely. it? I just think it's so beautiful without a shadow of um, a doubt. Yeah. Which is very much like The Office, where yeah, it's one minute yeah. you're laughing and the next minute you have a lump yeah. in your throat and you're you're fighting back the tears because yeah. something will just grab you. And I think Daisy and Charlie, their writing has has they they do that so many times in in all the series <laughs> and and in the special. They do, but what their talent is, and not to take anything away from Ricky and Steve, with those two, it is it seems a lot more effortless. It mm. happens quite naturally. Mm. Um, it doesn't seem forced at all. And um, I don't know whoever's in in charge of of, of the camera. You know, the, the English countryside. I think it looks beautiful in it, even in its mo- most bleak bleakness. Even in its most that's not even <laughs> even when it's looking at its most bleak. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, mm. yeah. I oh, completely yeah. agree. Big up North Leach. <laughs> Big up North Leach, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. We've got to get on so, that uh, This Country tour. Oh, yeah. We've got to do. We'll make a million. You need to get a little VW Golf. Yeah. Dress as a victim. You do, yeah, you do need to do that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Trade, we'll trademark that. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. so that nobody anyone, else... Yeah, anyone yeah. listening to that. Trademark. With this ours. Pablo and Neil. Yeah. yeah. 2020. The This Country tour. Yes. So, Come on down, Claire, and have the first tour. Yeah. I, I, would, I would bloody be there in a flash. But uh, but I think just to answer your question, and I, I I would like more of the same, mm. um, as in not much happening. Yeah. Um, them getting in, in themselves into a bit of bit of bother, um, arguing, doing not much at all, sitting in the kitchen, um, arguing about what food they're going to eat and um, what's happening down the keepers. You know. Um, oh, is he back at the bowling club? I'm I'm assuming. You know, he's hopefully he's maybe back at the bowling club. Maybe a couple of times a week. Maybe. Maybe. You know. Or maybe he's managed to get fired from there again. I don't know. Yeah, who I knows? Mean, maybe Kerry has got a job. Maybe. Uh, we, haven't even, we, haven't spoken, we haven't spoken about the vicar. We, we haven't. Vicar. Oh, we'll have to talk about the vicar. Come on, Claire, tell us all about the vicar. What your feelings on the vicar? I just think he's wonderful. <laughs> I just how, and and again, we all know someone like that in our lives. Someone who's desperately trying to hold it together for you. We had something similar with our drama club in, in our village, um, just trying to keep the kids on the straight and narrow. Come and do some drama. Come and perform. Come and, you know, do what you do, but do it on stage so you don't get into trouble. And you can see him, you know, doing his, his you know, secret cinema, um, whatever you can, just to keep them occupied. Yeah. Mm. Just, you know, no more effing and jeffing. Come and, you know, be more creative with your language and... And he genuinely and, cares about the kids. Mm. That's the thing. He cares oh, yeah. about Kerry and Curtin, yeah. doesn't he? It's not just part of his job. He genuinely Absolutely. will put himself Coming out for them. Up, you know. Well, I'm actually doing a wedding at the yeah. moment, but I can be with you in a couple of hours, you know. <laughs> and they still uh, th- and they throw that in his face. And, oh, we'll just leave it, it Vicar. Then yeah. you, know, you just go and do work. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But yeah. What? Yeah. What? And beautifully, who's the guy that plays the Vicar? Paul Shahidi. One of the nicest people you will ever meet in your life. Seriously, I would imagine he's very similar. He is nicer than the vicar, which if I don't even know if that's possible, but I think he should be cloned, and we should all have a pet Paul. I think we should. I think it'll be perfect. He is a lovely, lovely bloke. He really is. Yeah. So, and and again, a character like that. I think every every village sort of has someone who who tries their best to do the right thing. 
um, and will forever be failing purely because you know you're dealing with carrying curtain who aren't gonna you know mm-hmm. um, but yeah yeah so yeah big uh, up the vicar absolutely indeed. i'm with you on that one Claire. indeed so um where can people hear you and hear your dulcet tones and well um you can listen to absolute radio every friday night i do absolute 80s on the friday nice. night it's all the greatest hits of the 80s and on every saturday night it's my classic rock party and every Sunday evening, it's the request show. Um, and then you can hear me on Sky warning you about <laughs> bad, no more effing and jeffing or lots of effing and jeffing. I'm never going to hear that the same way yeah. anymore. Yeah. I'm just not. Yeah. And uh, you can also occasionally hear me, um, I mean, and you know, rent a gob, Sturgis, you know, if there's a voiceover to be done, I'll do it. But, uh, on ITV, I, I do some ITV daytime promo, so... You'll hear me saying tomorrow on Good Morning Britain uh-huh. or tomorrow on This Morning. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, I get around a That's bit. great. That yeah. is great. And do listen to Claire's show because I thoroughly enjoy it. I listen to it, genuinely. Good. Well, that's, that's great. I could tell someone was listening. <laughs> <laughs> and put it on quick on the spot, your favourite ever 80s song. <gasps> oh, oh. That's a very That's bad so question to ask. That's you right a hard that question hard to ask. Like, well, I used to adore Adam and the Ants. Yeah. So Ant music by Adam and the Ants as a, as a very young child, I adored. Oh, it must be. I love Japan, Quiet Life Japan. Wow, I right. love okay. David Sylvian with the makeup yeah, and yeah. the hair. Oh, my God, I was in love with it. <laughs> um, so Japan, Quiet Life. But then, of course... Um, um, Steve Coogan used Japan's Quiet Life um, for um, Alan Partridge, Partridge, and kind of ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, um, but yeah, um, what about you? What about your eighties? I, I mean, the Smith of oh, the Smiths came of age in the eighties. I mean, you know, they were a huge eighties band as well. Yeah. Did you and have a favourite band of the eighties? A favourite band of the eighties. I mean, I, I did adore the Smiths mm-hmm. into the, the late. I absolutely adored the Smiths. Never seen anything like it. I mean, Morrissey on top of the pops, seeing Morrissey on top of the pops with the flowers, the gladioli. It was just sort of, what the fuck? I love mm-hmm. this. I love this. Mm-hmm. Don't love him now. No. Yeah. I think I was a Frankie. I used to. Really? I, I think oh, Rel- oh, wow. Relax oh, and Two Tribes, two of yeah. the greatest songs I think I've I, ever heard. I, I, Oh my god! Yeah, uh, Dead or Alive, you spin yeah. around. I mean, yeah. I love, I love that. I'll, I'll throw then, a curveball. Go on then. Marillion. I was a oh huge god, yeah, Marillion yeah. fan in the eighties. Yeah. Kaylee. Yeah. Was that the eighties, yeah. Well, right back to the Fugazi album was one I really got into. Eighty four. Wow. Yeah. Right, Still love okay. it now. Yeah. And Howard Jones. I was always, I was, I was part. I was a member of his fan club when I was little. <laughs> Howard Jones. Howard Jones came into Absolute Radio last year, and I couldn't speak to him because I thought I just embarrassed myself. Really. Because, yeah, I thought he, again, what he did, you know, you know, we'd never seen anything like that before. Had we just one guy on a keyboard yeah. and some crazy dancer That's in the back right. in chains? Yeah, What's yeah, that yeah, about? Yeah. yeah. The weird thing I had was I was a member of his fan club, so I, I, had, I bought all his albums in the 80s. And, I love that and then, yeah, Risk, it was called, and it was run by his mum. And I went and saw, <laughs> I went and saw Howard Jones at the Royal Albert Hall, and his mum was there at like the the fan club, like I don't know, table. So I went over and said hello and stuff. That was mental. But the weird thing was, I went and uh, started work for Honda, which was a, a big company just down the road from us. Yeah, and they yeah. used to have big Christmas um, parties. 
Howard Jones did one of the parties. For two <gasps> quid, for two quid, you got Howard Jones and No Oasis, which was an Oasis tribute band. Wow. And I was like, I, know, I was amazing. I was four feet away from Howard Jones and b- bless him, the look on his face where he had just had a load of pissed up car workers singing to him, you know, I felt so sorry for him because he probably thought this is where it's got to. I'm now singing from the pissed up car <laughs> and workers. You fluttering so your eyes. And I was loving it. What year was this? Well, how long ago? So that would have been 1996, 97, maybe something like that. Well, because now, of course, you know, he's he's very much getting, you know, he's he's on tour again. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Surgeons, you know, yeah. new, new music. So he, he's getting the love again. So yeah. I, I think, you know, that's yeah. fine. But it's, I mean, that I, 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 a little bump in the road. Apart from the fact that I was so made up that, that this is like for two quid. You know, back that, in the eighties, I, mean, I couldn't have yeah. seen him for two quid, yeah, <laughs> and there I was. I, the only thing I didn't do was try and get backstage, which was basically like a little gazebo, to go and say hello to him because I should have. Oh, I should have done. I know, but, but they never meet your heroes. Never meet your heroes. Uh, th- that's what they do say. Yeah. Although yeah. we've met you now, and we feel wonderful. Oh, for yeah. you. Well, I mean, I could keep on talking. I mean, there's, there's loads of stuff we haven't talked about. I, I tried to make some notes, but. Well, we can do yeah. a part two. We but can yes, definitely have one series three at the end of uh, series three. Indeed, we, yeah. we will. That's a great we'll, idea. we will resume this. Then. That's a great idea. Um, thank you very much, Claire. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you. Oh no, so I, so I could keep talking forever. It's you know, God, we, we what, will what have an you, amazing show. We, we will, will have you back have you so we back. can find out what you thought of series three. We'll wait yeah. till series three is finished and we've settled and we've thought about what's happened, and then we will we will get back to you again and we will have another chat. And, I can't uh, wait. Have you, have you spoken to them both recently? You have. Yes. You? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we spoke. But to I've them. gone into interview mode again. Right? Yes. Tell me. Yeah. So, yeah. Th- so this episode um, goes out after our two-part episode with Daisy and Charlie. Oh right. Okay. So you right. need to listen to ne- so last week's okay. and the week before's episode. There's some really good stuff on there, and, and there's a there's a little bit of a thing about series three, a little exclusive that they gave us for series three as well. There you go. Neil, do us a little bit of housekeeping, Right, please. here we go. You can find us on all the social media under WTAF This Country. We have an email address where if you'd like to <laughs> write us anything, it is WTAF This Country at Hotmail.com. Oh, that was a very dainty And please thing. do visit the website, which is constantly trying to be updated, <laughs> at WTAFpodcast.com. There. Over wonderful. to you about Patreon. Now, Patreon. We are going to revamp the Patreon. Um, so bear with us for that for a little bit. But if you want to help us out, it's patreon.com forward slash WTAF. But we are going to do some different things with it. So uh, don't worry about it for now. But uh, but we will be sorting things out Watch for this that. Space. Watch this space indeed. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Claire. Thank you, Claire. Thank you. That was fun. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much, Pav. Thank you very much, everybody. Now go and get plumbed, you fuckers. (laughs) Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. 
we're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal! That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes! It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything! Oh, you saucy devil! Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal.